Welcome to today's podcast with Crosspoint Church, where we share the gospel and we share our lives. With so many fun and new exciting things going on at church, we want you to be in the loop. So make sure that you check out our Facebook page and that you check out our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com. And now for today's message. We're so glad that you're here today, and I honestly believe that God wants to do something special in your lives. I know that you've come in here today with a high level of expectancy, and I'm praying that God will demonstrate his love for you today in the same measure that you've come expecting. And some of you are like, oh, wait, hold up, I didn't come expecting. Well, it's not too late. Right? It's not too late to posture your hearts to say to the creator of the universe, the Lord of our lives, God, I've come here today to receive from you. Holy Spirit, work in my heart, work in my mind. In fact, I think that each time that we are on our way to church, that it would be healthy for us individually and as a family, if you ride together to church in a family with a family, to, to look at Psalm chapter 100. Here's what it says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth. Listen, that arguing and fighting in the back of the car right now, kids, is not a joyful noise to the Lord. Come on, we're reading scripture right now. Make a joyful to the noise, make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come on, put a smile on that face. Come into his presence with singing. Y'all, we didn't come here to be spectators today. We came here to be participants. Know that the Lord, He is God. Let's engage our brains. It's He who made us. And we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Before we go any further in this service this morning, can we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise and give thanks to him. God, we are so grateful for your love for us. We're grateful for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in the room this morning. We have come expecting you to speak to our hearts. And so we pray for a genuine, authentic move of the Holy Spirit this morning. In the preaching of your words, God, we pray that you would do something supernatural. Would you open up our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and our minds to understand what you would have for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, listen, I've been so excited to preach this series to you now for several months. With exaggeration, this message and this series has been in my spirit since October, and it's taken a tremendous amount of self-control to not roll it out early. If you missed last week, we'd encourage you to listen online on YouTube, on Spotify, find us on Facebook, or go to crosspointwaverly.com. I'm telling you, this, this has been in our hearts as a staff and in my heart, and I'm pumped to finally be sharing it with you. Back in October, we had the opportunity to get away as a staff and spend some time praying and dreaming and planning about the future. And I'll tell you, we have the best staff on the planet. Amen? I'm grateful for each and every single one of them. A couple of weeks ago, we celebrated nine years as a church. That's so fun. It's amazing. And here's something fun to think about. We are 10% of the way to celebrating 100 years as a church. What will our church look like in 100 years? Can I tell you? I don't know, but what I do know is I won't be here. 
I can guarantee I won't be here unless some of you somehow find Ponce de Leon's Fountain of Youth, and then I just want to tell you I don't want it, because heaven's so much better, y'all. We got something to live for here in this life and in the next. It's fun to think about Cross Point Church existing long after we're gone. To think that as we continue to leverage our influence for the next generation, that this will be a church for generations to come, that our kids and our grandkids and great-grandkids will come to. Jesus told Peter that he was going to build his church and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He is building his global church and I'm grateful that we're part of what he's building. So in October, we went away and uh, got some language and, and looked for some language that would unite us and guide us moving forward. We wanted to put into words what the Spirit's doing here that's unique to our church. And the easiest thing that we could have done would have been to go to some great churches' websites to pick and choose some different things and throw it together, and that would have been the easiest thing to do, but I didn't want to do that. The reason why I didn't want to do that is because I believe that what God is doing here is unique, and it's unique enough that, uh, and special enough that there's some different language that we could use, and so we didn't want to just copy what somebody else was doing. After several hours of trying to come up with something, we had filled a whiteboard with words, and some of us maybe looked at it and said, task accomplished, except for that it wasn't. It wasn't. It was so not what we were looking for. The words on the board were bland. They were not unique. They weren't memorable. And I get that in some circles, like I'm the boss. I'm the lead pastor. Come up with the solution to the problem. And I'll just tell you that I didn't have the solution or the answers in that moment. I just knew that what was up here wasn't it. And so now, as a leader, in a moment where I feel like I'm about to have to concede that all of the hours that we've just spent on this are completely wasted, I'm grateful that we didn't. Instead, we pressed on, and what transpired was something beautiful. Different team members began to, uh, to throw out some different ideas, and what we came up with were three words that you heard last week, you saw on the video leading up to this, on your bulletin as you came in today, they're on the back of this, and those three words were give, grow, and go. Give, grow, go. Why don't you say that with me? Give, grow, go. One more time, let's say it together. Give, grow, go. This is what God has called us to do as a church. God has called our church to inspire and equip people to give their whole selves to Jesus, to grow in their relationship with him and others and go tell the world the good news. Give, grow, and go. And we understand that the only way that these things happen is through the work of the Holy Spirit in each of these areas. The Holy Spirit draws men to God for salvation. The Holy Spirit refines us and shapes us and sanctifies us into the disciples that God has called us to be. That's where we grow. And the Holy Spirit empowers us to share the good news with the world. That's the go. None of this happens without the work and the power of the Holy Spirit. We also understand that everything that we do as a church starts with what God did for us. In his magnificent mercy, he gave his son. John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God gave his son. Jesus gave his life so that the whole world, including us, including you, could be saved. God sent Jesus not to condemn the world, but save the world. I saw a Facebook post this week. It said that God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world. What makes you think he has sent you to condemn the world? Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. There are two destinations at the end of this life where we will spend an eternity. People will either experience eternal life in heaven or eternal death in hell. As a church, we want to inspire and equip people to pick heaven. We want to inspire and equip people to receive the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. It honestly seems like an easy choice to make and an easy pick to choose to be children of God rather than children of wrath, but yet so many choose to be children of wrath and pick death, hell, death and hell as their eternal destination. Everything we do as a church starts with what Jesus did for us. He gave his life and his kindness leads us to repentance. And in light of what Jesus has done for us, what is the natural response for all of us? The only reasonable response is to offer our whole lives to him. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. He gave, we give. We give our whole selves to him. We exist to help you and others give your all to the one who gave it all. This morning, we're going to focus on the first word, which is give. Everything that we do as a church starts again with what Christ did for us. And we don't shy away from the cross. We don't shy away of talking about the cross and what Jesus did for us. For those of you who don't know, it's in our name. Cross point, right? We direct people and we point people to Jesus. We do what we do because he did what he did. This past week, I was visiting with Bill and Sandy Bright, tremendous people, people who've been part of our church from the very beginning, and both of them have significant health issues right now, to put it lightly. And last week, as Pastor Fisher and I visited with both of them, the joy of the Lord and the peace in their spirit was evident. Their trust in God is solid, and, and you just wonder, how can they have the peace that they have and the joy that they have walking through the most difficult season of their life? Well, I'll tell you how. It's because of what Jesus has done for them. They have joy and peace because Jesus did what he did. And so in the midst of the greatest adversity that they've ever faced, they're sharing the gospel with people that they're coming in contact with. And again, they're doing this because of what Jesus has done for them. It's amazing. It's inspirational to see God working in their hearts. We do what we do because he did what he did. So what does it mean to give our whole selves to Jesus? It means that we don't compartmentalize our lives when it comes to our relationship with Jesus. So watch this. We don't just have a Sunday morning God. We have an all-day, everyday God. So we're not one person at church and a different person at work. 
We're not one person at church and a different person at school. We're not one person at church and a different person when it comes to our group of friends. We're not one person at church and a different person at home. We aren't one person at church and a different person anywhere else because we faithfully pursue Christ-likeness all day, at all times, in all places. We're Christ followers all day, every day, in every situation. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, there's a prophecy about Jesus. And it's often read during Advent, and it's familiar to some of you, Isaiah chapter 9, verse number 6, a prophecy about Jesus. For to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The final descriptor of this passage of Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And it lends itself more to not just being at conflict or in war with one another. In modern Israel, when someone greets you or says goodbye, they typically say shalom. And in saying this, they're actually saying more than just hello or goodbye and more than just a simple peace be with you. They're actually saying something more along the lines of may you be filled with a complete and perfect peace and be full of well-being, or may health and prosperity and peace of mind and spirit be upon you. What an incredibly powerful greeting. I wish that we had something like that in the English language, right? For it would be so weird for us, none of us speak Hebrew, to walk around and be like, shalom, shalom, you know, like people would be like, what are you doing, Right? But how incredible would it be if we had one word that just said more than peace to you, but instead blessings of God upon your life in every area. May you flourish in every area of your life. And as we look at, at the word shalom, that's what it lends itself to is flourishing. Can you imagine if there was one word that would encompass as we say hello to one another and goodbye to one another? Hey, good morning, Matt. Great to see you. May you, be, may you flourish in every area of your life. And imagine being able to say that in one word. And that's what the, the, the content of this word shalom is. Beyond being just a simple wish for peace and happiness, the word suggests a state of fullness and perfection, overflowing inner and outer joy and peaceful serenity. So again, we get this idea of flourishing. And so as we look at this passage in Isaiah, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. The mighty God, everlasting Father, and Prince of Shalom, Prince of Flourishing. Paul writes in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you all. If we read it a different way, now may the Lord of flourishing give you flourishing at all times in every way. This word shalom, meaning flourishing in every area. Who wouldn't want to flourish in every area of your life at all times? God wants us to flourish. He wants us to flourish in every area, spiritually, relationally, financially, emotionally, and even vocationally. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse number 10, that the thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. God desires for us to flourish in every area. And if we're going to flourish in every area, if we're going to experience this abundant life that Jesus desires for us, we have to give our whole selves to him. 
We've got to give our whole selves to him. We can't compartmentalize and hold anything back. We have to give our whole selves to him. And we declare that nothing is better than you. Right? We sang that song this morning, and I'll tell you, it was so cool. Y'all are the best singers in the world over here in this section. No offense to y'all. I'm just telling you that during that song, like, this group was singing louder than the people on the stage. And I was like, come on, this is heaven right here. Like an angelic host of choirs singing praise to God. And there was this anthem this morning of everybody in the room saying, God, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you. In our relationship with him, it takes priority. We declare that there's nothing above him or, or beside him. Instead, he is everything. And so spiritually, we don't let our focus be divided. In order for us to flourish spiritually, we have to give our whole life to Christ. Our relationship with Jesus has to be primary in everything. To flourish spiritually, we build our lives around him and we make him our priority, and then we fill in the rest. For so many people, it works the other way around. Let me see what else I have going on, and then if, if it fits in, then I'll put Jesus in there somewhere. For many, their relationship with Jesus is not primary, and you say, well, how would I know whether or not my relationship with Jesus is primary? Well, let me ask you this. Has another day passed where there's been no communication between you and the creator of the universe? Has another day passed where you haven't offered a prayer to the one who gave his life? Has another day passed where there's been no readings of the words that he's given to us? And this morning, I don't say it to shame anybody. I say it to inform all of us that if we're going to flourish spiritually, we have to prioritize our connection time with him. You're all here today. I commend you for that. I think it's amazing. You did it. You made connecting with God and his people a priority today. Can I encourage you every week to prioritize coming to church? If you want to flourish spiritually, Sundays belong to him. If we're going to flourish spiritually, we have to make God our priority. Jesus it says in Matthew chapter 16, he talks about the cost of being his disciple. In verse number 24, he told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he'll repay each person according to what he's done. Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. This past week I wrapped up reading a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. It's by a guy named Nabil Qureshi. I have no idea if I pronounce his name right. I was walking on the treadmill this week, reading this book on my iPad, and I came home and I told my wife, I said, baby, I was reading this book as I was walking on the treadmill, and I said, the book really should have warnings. There should really be disclaimers in this book, like, hello, sensitive people, just so you know, there's about to be this incredibly miraculous, powerful story of the grace of God upon this man's life, and he's going to surrender his heart to Jesus, 
I'm telling you, I'm walking on the treadmill at the W, and I'm having to fight back the tears coming down my face because I'm reading this incredible story of the grace of God. And I don't want to ruin the book for you, for those of you who are going to go get it and read it, but the title is a spoiler alert. Seeking Allah, finding Jesus. May all of us, for those of you who aren't followers of Jesus, may the day be today that you find him, that you find a right relationship with him. Bottom line in this book, this guy is raised in a devout Muslim family. He himself is Muslim and on a path to solidify his Muslim faith and discredit Christianity, the inverse happens. Years into his journey, he's ready to become a Christ follower and be baptized, and he's wrestling through whether or not he should tell his parents, and he knows that if he tells his parents that it'll absolutely crush them. It will ruin his relationship with his family, and there will be devastating consequences to that, and so he doesn't want to tell them because of the cost that it's going to be. And again, we go back to what is our priority? Our priority is our relationship with God. And so this man was receiving text messages on his computer from some friends that were encouraging him, saying, I can't wait for your baptism on Sunday. And he said, normally when I leave, I shut down my computer, I lock up my apartment when I go outside. And he said, for whatever reason, that day I left my apartment unlocked and my parents stopped by unannounced and they didn't realize that I wasn't going to be there. And they went on in and they were nosy and they snooped around my apartment and they opened up my, they didn't open up, the computer was already open. Man, can you imagine if somebody slipped in unannounced and looked at your computer, what they would find open and what they found open was incredible what God was doing in this man's life, but not incredible for them to see it. And they saw these messages where their friends were, his friends were encouraging him about his upcoming baptism. And he said, I hated that my parents found out that way. But it really did call tur- cause turmoil for he and for his family. It wasn't easy. The cost was significant for him. But nobody said it's going to be easy. If we're going to flourish spiritually, God has to be our priority. And I just wonder this morning, where are our priorities? God wants us to flourish relationally. But our priority has to be with our relationship with him. And so often we can get our priorities out of line and out of whack, and our priorities need to be God first, right? Above all things, he is our priority, and then family, and then everything else, right? God is first. Another area where God wants us to flourish is relationships between us, obviously, and then when we figure out that relationship with him, then he wants us to flourish in our relationship with ourselves and with others. And when we prioritize our relationship with God, when we submit our lives to the authority of Scripture, then we can thrive relationally. And when we submit ourselves to the authority of Scripture, then relationally it causes us to live countercultural to some things that, that the world would tell us to, to live differently. And so one of the ways that it causes us to live countercultural is we forgive. Right, Jesus, not Jesus, Paul had some words in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. He said, be kind to one another. That's good. I'm so grateful to be part of a church where people are kind to one another. He says, be tender hearted in our relationship with others. And then he throws out this, this one, like some of you are like, cool, I can be kind, totally tender hearted. I cry on the treadmill and the W reading the story about somebody else. 
but there's this third thing that when we submit our lives to the authority of Scripture, then we have to pay attention to this. And he says, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. For us to flourish in our relationships, we have to submit our lives to the authority of Scripture. And one of those things means that we have to offer forgiveness. Mine and Erica's predictable date night this past Friday, we watched another Dateline episode. We're so adventurous, y'all. You don't even know. And in this episode, they're interviewing parents of a teenage daughter who had been kidnapped and murdered. And in the interview, multiple times, they share about the importance of their faith and the church family that they're part of. Multiple times. Now, at one point in the interview, the guy asked them this very pointed, direct question. He said, can you ever forgive the man who did this to your daughter? And the father said yes, and the mother said absolutely not. She said no way. Who could blame her? Except that our relationship with God calls us to something different. And if we're going to flourish relationally, then we have to do things God's way, and he requires forgiveness. In fact, Jesus said it pretty strongly in Matthew chapter 6, verse number 14. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. A new commandment I give you, he says in, in John chapter 13. To love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How do we flourish relationally? We forgive one another and we love one another. And, and Jesus actually says that our love for one another will be how other people know that we're his disciples. Another area, when we submit our lives to the authority of Scripture, it causes us to guard and protect in relationships. We guard and protect. And so we don't date and we don't marry unbelievers. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has relationship with righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? To flourish relationally, we have to give our whole selves to God. God wants us to flourish in every area. How do we flourish financially? Well, we steward our finances God's way. I just did a series on this, the end of this year, called Beyond Blessed, so I'm not going to camp out on this a long time this morning, but I'll summarize it. We bring our first fruits, our tithe, the first 10% of our income to the church, and that's just the starting place for believers is 10%. And then we give generously above and beyond that in Kingdom Builders offerings. If we want to flourish financially, we have to give our whole life to Him, including the stronghold of our finances. We're blessed to be a blessing. Another area where God wants us to flourish is emotionally. Some of you might say in the constant drama and turmoil, there's no way that you could see how flourishing emotionally could even be a possibility because of the state that you're currently living in. 
In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 6, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Casting all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Somebody's got to hear that this morning. God cares for you. You're not a bother to him. When you cast your cares and your anxieties on him, he listens because he cares for you. He has a love for you. Don't hold back your cares and your anxieties from him. Give it to him because he cares for you. We go back to Psalm chapter 100 and verse number 4 where it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. God wants us to flourish emotionally. And one of the ways that we can flourish emotionally is by giving gratitude to God. Giving gratitude and praise to him. Another area where God wants us to flourish is vocationally. I met with a guy this week who shared with me that he had the ambition of being a CEO. And so he was on this specific track to become a CEO and he had two desires. He said, I had a desire to become a CEO and I also had a desire to be present at home with my wife and with my family. And he said, these were two competing desires and one was going to win out. And I'm not saying that you can't be a CEO and be present with your family. I'm just saying on the specific track that he was on, it required a choice. And one of those was going to win out over the other. And so what he decided to do was to forgo the CEO track. He picked his family. And as he did that, God opened a door for him for a new job and his family's thriving and he's thriving in the workplace. And again, we go back to these priorities. And where are your priorities right now? It's a great reminder for all of us to not sacrifice our kids on the altar of ambition. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. He gave his life for a purpose, and a relationship with you is that purpose. And so in exchange, he requires that we give our whole selves to him. And in doing so, then we'll be able to flourish in every area of our life. But we can't hold anything back. we got to give it all. And we've got to prioritize him. And I just wonder if you did an honest assessment of your heart this morning. Like what is the top priority in your life right now? Is it some kind of ambition? Is it some kind of dream? Is your top priority your family? Is your top priority your job? Is your top priority some relationship with somebody else? And can I just encourage you this morning that if it is, that you would submit that and that you would place Jesus again at the top of your priority list. that you would surrender everything to him, and then as you give your whole life to him, that you would flourish in every area because you prioritize him. I'm gonna ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this room. Maybe there are some of you who've come in today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never asked him to be your Lord and Savior, and you say, today I wanna become a follower of him. I recognize that the wages of sin is death, but that the gift of God is eternal life, and today I want to receive that free gift of eternal life. 
you recognize this morning that becoming a follower, of, becoming a disciple of Jesus comes with a cost, and that cost is you submitting and surrendering your whole life to him. And you say, today I'm ready. I'm ready to submit it all. I'm ready to give it all because he gave his all. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you say that's me, I need to ask Jesus to come into my life for the very first time. Or you say, I need to see my relationship restored back to him. When I count to three, why don't you slip up your hands all across this room? One, two, three, lift them up all across this room. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there others this morning? Thank you, God. Let's all stand. There was at least one hand that went up this morning of somebody who needs to ask Jesus to come into their life for the very first time or who needs to see their relationship restored back to him. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And if you raise your hand, I want you to repeat it after me and mean it with everything that's within you. Know that you won't be praying this prayer alone, but that each of us in support of you will also be praying. Let's pray. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I've messed up. This morning I ask for your forgiveness. Come and give me a fresh start. Be my savior. Be my king. Take over every area. Take over every aspect. And help me from this day forward to live for you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give God praise for what he's done this morning. If you prayed that prayer today in person or online, we'd ask that you would text the word yes to 319-250-8998. Again, text the word yes to 319-250-8998. We want to encourage you along in the decision that you've made in the journey that God wants to take you on. We leave time at the end of each of our services for people to receive prayer. In just a moment, the worship team's gonna lead us in another song. The prayer team's gonna come to the front of both sides of the stage. And if you've come here today and you need prayer for anything, I would encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward. There were some things that we talked about this morning in surrendering our whole lives to God. And maybe there are some strongholds in your life this morning that you haven't quite submitted to God and you say this morning I just need somebody to pray for me I need God to help me in this area can I encourage you this morning to step out of your seat in just a moment let somebody pray for you and experience breakthrough this morning can you imagine if the thing that you've been holding on to for so long is the thing that's keeping you from flourishing in every area of your life and if today if you would swallow your pride and you would have the courage to say God I'm going to leave it with you I'm going to lay it down I'm going to give you my whole life and then now all of a sudden you begin to experience the blessings that he has for you I believe that God wants to do that for some of you this morning so I'm going to pray and after I pray, the worship team is going to lead us in this song. And if you want prayer for anything, I'd encourage you to step out of your seat and come forward and let somebody pray for you. God, we thank you for moments where you speak to our hearts. God, I believe that there are some people in this room this morning, that there are some strongholds that need to be broken. That there are some things that people are holding on to and it's causing them to not flourish in every area of their life. And I pray that today would be the day that they would have the courage to lay it down. 
and that they would experience your love and your blessings in a way like they never dreamed or imagined that it could happen. God, I pray for those who you've not been their top priority, that today would be a day where they would have this honest self-evaluation where they would realize that and that they would repent and move you to the top of their priority list and that it would stay there. God, for those who you are at the top of their priority list, I pray that no distraction or scheme of the devil could keep people from moving that to a different priority place, but instead that it would stay there. God, we pray that for those who still haven't submitted their lives to you, who haven't given their lives to you, that in this moment that there would be such a strong spirit of conviction that they couldn't wait another second of another minute, of another hour, of another day to surrender their lives to you. God, I pray that they wouldn't make it out the doors this morning without submitting their lives to you. Help us grow in our relationship with you as you make us as disciples. And Lord, empower us as we go to be your witnesses. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We hope that this message was inspiring and encouraging. For more information about this message or about all things Crosspoint, check out our Facebook and head to our website at www.crosspointwaverly.com.